Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the Market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Willie King. Major Japanese stock indices are at their highest levels in decades, with the Nikkei topping its 33 year high this year. Now, this is driven by its stronger earnings a weaker yen, and reforms in corporate governance in these companies. Now, so far, the market outlook for Japan is more favourable than it has been in the past and has lured global investors, including super investor Warren Buffett, into the third largest economy. Now, it remains to be seen whether this positive momentum can translate into a permanent regime shift. And the question to ask here is, the Japan's economy's growth phase sustainable? And what are the longer-term challenges Japan face? I want to peel back the layers of the world's third largest economy and joining us on the line today as we unpack all of this is Saitan Hansaku, Senior Analyst of the Economist Intelligence Unit. Hi Saitan, how are you? Hi Willie, I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> oh great, I mean thanks for coming on to the show. Now, Japan's stock markets have seen a strong rally in 2023 and they've reached new highs not seen since 1990. I mean, you have foreign investments rising in the country, supported by domestic macroeconomic strength and a breakout from years of deflation. Saitan, I want to ask you this. Does this reflect the view that Japan's economy is at a turning point? Well, I won't call it a turning point, but I would say that it's in a better place to establish itself on a sustainable growth path. It is now at a good place that it hasn't been in many, many years. Whether it's a turning point or not, it's not yet a done deal. (laughs) What are the longer-term challenges that Japan continues to face here? Well, there are many long-term challenges that Japan continues to face. But before I go into the long-term challenges, I just want to say that Japan has gotten to where it is today. Some of it is by Japan's own merit, but some of them have been assisted by some of a few global trends. Like, for example, it's out of deflation, partly because the war in Ukraine has ironically sent input prices higher, and this makes businesses actually pass on prices to consumers. And the end of COVID restrictions has lifted consumer spending naturally, and then the opening of borders has lifted tourism. And the trend of U.S.-China rivalry has also led to companies de-risking from China. And some of this diversification in investment flows come to Japan. But, you know, having said all that, Japan still has long-term challenges, like you say, like, you know, aging population is Mm. one. You know, the population has been shrinking. The workforce is shrinking. So there is shortage of labor. Mm. And the immigration law has not kept up with, you know, having enough migrant workers. It's not like Singapore. So (laughs) that is a challenge for businesses. Then Japan has years of ultra-loose monetary policy. And some of the impacts have distorted financial markets. So there's a mispricing of financial market assets that we still need to deal with. And they have a very high level of public debt, which is going to be weighing on growth. Mm. So these are just a few of the long-term challenges. Yeah, I mean, looking at public debt here, Saitan, I mean, do you think based on its existing fiscal policy, do you think this public debt could continue to increase from here, given where Japan's outlook is currently right now? Well, I think (laughs) that's a difficult situation that they face. I think they are very well aware of a high level of public debt. 
and they don't want it to go higher, I think in nominal term, it will. But if they keep growing economic growth, so the ratio between public debt and GDP is stable or declined, then I would be encouraged by that. But even that is not so assured. Mm. And talking about Japan's economic revival in its inflation, I mean, we have the Bank of Japan's Governor Ueda. I mean, he seems to be taking a more neutral stance here on monetary policy, and he could potentially keep interest rates largely unchanged for now. But yet, markets are expecting the BOG to exit its ultra-loose monetary policy come next year. I mean, Saitan, do you agree with market sentiments here? Well, I agree in the direction of the market expression. I think where we go from here is toward you know unwinding or normalizing the ultra-loose monetary policy. It, actually, it has already started. So mm. we think that it will continue in 2024. What we at the EIU may differ is the timing. Right now, market seems to be looking at a very near-term change of negative interest rate. Some of them are expecting it at the end of this year or early next year. I don't think we are there but with them. <laughs> we think it will happen. The earliest it could happen is sometime in 2024, but we do not see it happening in the near term. Mm. And following from that, I mean, what must we see or what are some of the key drivers we must see before the Bank of Japan starts to exit from its current policy? Yeah, I think if we are talking about negative interest rates, because the ultra-loose policy has basically three major features. One is the yield curve control, which they have been unwinding, and we think that they will continue to unwind. Another one is the asset purchases, which we think that they will try to restrain that as well going forward. But the negative interest rate, its policy rate, is the one that we think will be difficult to or will take the longest to unwind. And our reason is because we think that the BOJ is actually guided first and foremost by the macroeconomic consideration of the domestic economy. So what they would like to see is to have enough evidence or to be convinced that domestic demand or private consumption recovery is self-sustaining. This is where we differ. We don't think they're there yet, because Mm. if you look at the recent GDP report in 2023, I mean, of course, it's improved from 2022. But if you compare the first quarter, second quarter and third quarter, you actually see the sequential growth actually tapering off. So I think that right. is, you know, something that they're not at comfort level yet. And the fact that the ruling party, the LDP, just submitted to parliament and they just passed the supplementary budget in December. Now, tell me, if you think your domestic demand is doing so well, <laughs> are you going to give a fiscal stimulus, right? Yeah. So these are evidence that we think they are not at the point that they are comfortable to exit the negative interest rate yet. Mm, And speaking from negative interest rates, I mean, we have the yen being one of the worst performers this year, and that's also partly driving the stock market performance. I mean, against among major currencies and versus the US dollar, this has been driven by negative interest rates. What does a weak yen mean for Japan's economy and its longer term outlook? Yeah, the weekend actually has both plus and minuses. The plus, obviously, it, it improves the export competitiveness, you know, which to a certain extent, it has helped Japanese exporters. This year, exports have rebounded, but, you know, its price competitiveness is part of the story. The demand story from the global market is another. 
But the negative impact of the weekend has been you know, contributing to inflationary pressure in Japan. And this is actually the one that is complicating monetary policy because they need to deliver positive real wage growth in order to make sure that private consumption growth can sustain. So with inflation being so high, even though nominal wage growth has increased, but real wage growth is still not positive or not in a comfortable positive territory. So that is, you know, not an ideal situation of having a weak yen. And what is the prospect for the yen? Well, you know, if you look at the yen movement in the past month or past few weeks, you can see that the yen level is actually a lot of the driver comes from the U.S. Right. So when, when there's a perception that the Fed is going to you know, make cut interest rates in 2024, the yen just strengthened very quickly. So it's dependent on what's happening in the U.S. as well. Mm. And speaking of that, I mean, could the Japanese government intervene with the weak yen? I think that need has, has become less of a concern. You know, the yen has actually strengthened quite a fair bit in the past month. So if they want to, they can, but I don't think they will. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Fed has done the job for them. <laughs> mm. We have been speaking to Saitan Hansaku, Senior Analyst of the Economist Intelligence Unit. Well, thank you so much for your insight, Saitan. Thank you, Willie. I'm Willie King. This is Market Rep for the Week. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.